Welcome to the Tanakh Podcast. My name is Alex Israel, and today we are going to study Yoshua Perek Gimel, Joshua chapter 3, in which the Jewish people, Bnei Israel, cross into the land of Canaan, and this they do through a miracle. They are going to actually split the Jordan instead of crossing it. Now, if you've ever visited the Jordan River, you will know that it is not particularly wide. It is not the Thames or the Hudson or the Amazon. And they could have easily built rafts or a makeshift bridge in order to cross people over. Why did um, Bnei Israel need to cross by a miracle? Uh, the miracle is going to happen when the feet of the priests who are bearing the Aron Habrit, the Ark of the Covenant, when they touch the water, the waters will split and the people are going to be able to cross the river on dry land, Becherava. We'll talk about that next class. So what's going on? There are three reasons or three effects of this miracle. Effect number one is uh, you will find in chapter three, verse seven. And there it says, Vayom HaShem el Yoshua, God said to Joshua, Hayom hazeh achel gadelcha kol Yisrael. Today, I will make you prestigious in the eyes of all Israel and everybody will know everybody will know that just like I was with Moses I will be with you if you recall in chapter one B'nai Gad and B'nai the troops raised their suspicions and said you know we'll, we'll listen to you as long as God is with you like he was with Joshua and indeed here God says that because of this miracle Joshua's reputation will rise in the esteem of the people and everybody will um, respect him. And in fact, you can see this in chapter 4, verse 14. On that day, indeed, he did raise Joshua's prestige and everybody feared him, just like they feared Moses all his life. So that is objective number one for the leadership. Objective number two we see just in the next verse. Joshua turns to the people, verse 10, and says, Through this, you will know that God is in your midst. Through this, you will know that God is within you. In other words, there was a sense of this becoming a religious occasion, a moment in which they witness the power of God. More about that in a minute. The third objective is a psychological objective to do with the enemy. And here I will point to chapter 5, verse 1. When all of the Amorites in the tra- in the, across the Jordan, um, on the western side of the Jordan, and all the kings of the Canaanites saw um, that God had dried up. The Jordan's, the Jordan River's waters, their hearts melted, and it simply punched the air out of them, and they had no um, courage to fight Bnei Israel. So what can we see? Three objectives. Number one, in order to raise the prestige of the leader, Joshua. Number two, to boost the faith of the people in God and make them realize that God was with them and would help them help them and help them to succeed in the conquest. And number three, 
is in order to strike fear into the enemy. But here, let me try and elaborate the middle one. The thing is very carefully choreographed here. And what we see is that the first thing that's going to happen is that the ark has to be every already Joshua warns them, let there be a 2,000 amot, 2,000 uh, cubits between you and the ark, so everybody can see the ark. And the minute the ark takes a step forward, the waters are going to split. Now, what's then going to happen is that they're going to take 12 stones from the um, floor of the Jordan River, which has dried, and they're going to set them up as a monument in Gilgal, in the place where they actually encamp, their first place of encampment in the land of Israel. And in fact, when you look at chapter 4, um, verse 6, it says, Lamantia zot ot This should be a sign that when your son asks you, when your children ask you, what, are, what is this monument? And you'll say, you know what? God splits the Jordan before the Ark of the Covenant of God. In other words, what's happening here is that a, 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 a very impressive occasion is being choreographed and it's being choreographed from, from the beginning in order to create a memorable moment. Now, what does this all mean? And I want to pay attention to one final phrase here. The Ark is at the epicenter and everybody's going to file past the Aron Habrit, the Ark of the Covenant. But here there is almost a sense of a new name for the Ark. Usually the Ark is called the Aron Habrit. And we're used to having this idea that it represents the pact, the covenant between God and Israel. In fact, it has the Ten Commandments in it, which represents the key um, document or the key contract. It, it, God even spoke that at Mount Sinai to seal the relationship between God and Israel. And of course, God will be with us if we keep what is written on those Ten Commandments. Sometimes God is even described as Yoshev HaKruvim. On Friday night in Kabbalat Shabbat, we say Hashem Malach Yiguzun Amim, Yoshev Kruvim Tanuta Aretz. Almost as if God is sitting on the ark. You know, we say Vayhi bin Soharon, when the ark travels, Vayome Moshe Kuma Hashem. When the ark travels, Moses says, God arise and scatter your enemies. The ark carries God. God's presence rests upon it. But here we see even a new name, and it's in chapter 3, verse 11. Aron This is the Ark of the Covenant of the Master of the Land. And I think it's really clear what's happening here, the symbolism. As we enter into the land, as we go through the portal, the stepping stones, we are passing by the Ark of the Covenant, and God is saying, I am the Master of the Land, Aron Habrit, Adon Kol Haaretz, the master of the land. God is saying, you come into the land because I give you permission to be here and you live under my conditions. And therefore, as we read in the second paragraph of the Shema, if you keep the laws in the land, you will prosper and you will succeed and you will have blessing. But if you don't, then you, you will suffer rack and ruin. And therefore, we actually take those stepping stones, the very stones we walked on as we crossed the Jordan, and we set them up as a monument to remind ourselves that we came into this land not because of our own strength, but because of God's power and because God has brought us here. He is the Adon Kol Haaretz. This must have been a phenomenally impressive 
moment when everybody files past the commander-in-chief, so to speak, that commander-in-chief not being Joshua, but actually being God. And maybe I'll finish today by, you know, raising the question in your minds, what ceremonies do we have? What ceremonies do you have in your family? What ceremonies do we have as individuals which really instill the impact of meaning in our lives? Do we have ceremonies to represent all the important aspects? If you wrote a list of all the important things in life, have you got moments which are memorable in order to mark those things and to make an impression on our children, on our grandchildren? Are those in place? Maybe that's something to think about when you're considering this chapter. Thank you for listening. Oh, one thing before you leave. Um, I really would like to ask you first if you could share this podcast and tell people about it. Our numbers are going up, but we're still at the beginning. So if you could share and tell people about this, share it on social media, that would be great. Number two, I want to invite everybody to visit my website, www.alexisrael, one word, .org, www.alexisrael.org. And you can sign up there for a newsletter every single week, which gives you loads of Divrei Torah on the Parshat Shavua. So if you want Parshat Shavua podcasts, articles, and discussion points, you're welcome to visit there, sign up, and join me every single week. I send one email a week and not more than one email a week, so I won't flood your inbox. Shabbat shalom to all of you. Thank you for listening.